Hello there and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast season two. I'm your host Neve Brannigan and I am joined by Jerry Maguire. How are you today, Jerry? Not gonna lie, Neve. Sort of tired. I can imagine so because it's been a big week for us. So mm. this is going out on Friday yeah. and uh, this past Monday we have released our programme for our November festival. Yes, we have. Which it's is so exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I think like I'm I'm really proud of what, what our team has done this year. It's a really good program. And uh yeah, I mean I'm not on the socials as much as you might be, but um you were telling me it's got a bit of a you think it's got a good reception, right? Yeah, it's I think I think everyone really looks forward to it every year because it's uh created such a great kind of audience every year. Because every year it just gets bigger and better, you know? And talk about bigger and better. I mean, our opening gala is in the view in Leicester Square. Yeah, it is. Does it get bigger and better than that? I mean, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. Yeah. I mean, shall I do a wee um, programme overview for people? Yeah, let's do, yeah, let's do like a little bit this week and then we can do a little bit next week. Okay, this makes sense. Okay. I don't want this to be, I want this to be about the the good interviews that we've got this week. Exactly. um, Like a programme. In, uh, advertisement thing mm. um, yeah just go to our website guys exactly. um, so yeah okay opening gala Leicester Square Wednesday 16th of November um, we're really really proud to have a preview screening of Frank Berry's new film Aisha um, Aisha stars Letitia Wright in the titular role and Josh O'Connor whose Irish accent is convincing guys very impressive I have to say as a dub I was yeah. very impressed by the trailer now I've only seen the trailer so I'm very okay excited to see this film yeah yeah and uh yeah i mean you know we've got it before it comes out in the cinema we're in this massive screen in leicester square um and tickets are already selling tickets are selling for it yeah it's it's one of the it's one of the shows out of this big big old program that's actually selling really well i'm really happy about that because there's a lot of them to go Mm -hmm. so yeah it's really good um and that's our yeah our opening gala we've never been in leicester square before Mm. i'm really really pleased that we've got like a home in the west end for irish film because i think that's where it deserves to be Mm -hmm. um but it's it's quite funny like i'm excited about aisha i'm excited about what it means to have a film which if you don't know about aisha aisha is a an asylum seeker who comes to Dublin and she ends up in the direct provision system and Frank Berry is a filmmaker whose films are all about sort of social issues sometimes he's referred to as an Irish Ken Loach although I think that is a little bit reductive Um, but it's quite exciting to have a film in the programme which is talking about a really important issue you know and it's we were proud to have it as our as our opening gala but it's so interesting because a festival that's on in Ireland almost at the same time as us is the Cork International Film Festival a very big festival with a huge programme much bigger than ours it's international in focus rather than just Irish and their opening gala is Aisha (laughs) so so that's pretty cool you know Um, Mm. great minds think alike perhaps definitely and as well I think as well because sometimes because our audience is go across Ireland and England. Yeah. If you're in Ireland and you don't and you you don't get over to London for the festival, maybe you might be near Cork or if you're in London and you haven't gotten home for any Irish yeah, festivals, absolutely. then it, it that that kind of crossover is always really great. And I think as well another really cool um kind of element to the festival that we have 
that we haven't really had before necessarily for our November festival is there'll be a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of on, um, online options as well. Yeah, so there is there's online options for this festival. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of places have kind of done away with the online thing. Um, we are trying to hang on and do as much of it as we can for mm. as long as possible. We... Uh, it's a funny thing with online. Like, when people buy tickets for your cinema event, you can measure how many of them there are. And if you get them to fill in a little feedback form uh, at the end, then you can get a little bit more information from them. But the nice thing about online, in a way, is that you know where people are. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot more data. And it's so interesting to me as somebody who makes programs of work for people to know that there's an audience for this stuff mm. that's way far outside London we do access people from all over the UK and Ireland and the US and Germany a lot of people from Germany access our content what's um, up Germany yeah and Australia and lo- lots of different places like this and it's yeah. so interesting and it's so nice to be able to provide opportunities for people to see this stuff because obviously a lot of them are not going to come to London for a one-off screen you know mm-hmm. so that's that's dead nice so yeah uh, there's there's a fair bit of stuff available online this year as well um and i do encourage people to check it all out definitely yeah. and i even found i uh, i was at galway at, um during the summer and and i think this kind of goes for a lot of people as well you go and you book one thing you might miss another thing mm. or i mean you might not have to have the funds for everything and you know i think it's always a cool option as well to have it online and maybe you can because there's kind of a window you know that you can yeah. watch it and because so you might miss everything you know mm. and then our closing gala is on in the riverside studios which is a lovely place to finish up it is yeah so riverside is where we had a load of stuff last year and we still have a lot of uh, screenings in there this year and what we did last year was we opened our festival at riverside with an irish language film called aract which was by a production company in ireland called macala macala have produced a new irish language comedy this year called rosha august frank and that's the one that's closing the festival this year in Riverside again on Sunday the 20th of November at 8pm. It's been out in Ireland, uh, it's got great reviews. We're really, really happy that we have what we think is going to be the UK premiere of this new Irish film. We're dead happy to be closing the festival with an Irish language film, and of course, and yeah, we're really, really excited. I think with a closing film, you have to try and decide what tone you want to close the festival with, and we're quite happy, really, to be closing mm. the film, to be closing the festival with a happy film. You know, absolutely. I think it's a great choice. It's a really kind of lovely, feel-good film which uh, I hope people will get a sense of today listening to uh, this podcast all about Rosha August Frank Um, and also obviously needs like I I don't even really need to say it but for anyone who's going to be attending throughout all of these amazing films and shorts and workshops and um, talks and Q&A's and everything there'll be chats there'll be options to network there'll be drinks being had so definitely check out the program and schedule in what you can because uh, there's just so much on offer I just think it's such a great program this year and uh, I think everyone's going to really really enjoy it I hope so yeah so irishfilmlondon.com for your tickets everything's on sale right now have a look at it 
yeah there's some really good stuff in there i want to give a little plug to another event that we're um sort of involved with but it's not a festival event um you know there's always so many films around that mm. we they're either out at the wrong time when we can't get them in the festival or we can't be you can't do partnership screenings with them and stuff like that and mm-hmm. um, one film that i was chasing for ages to try and get in the festival this year is a brilliant doctor uh, a brilliant documentary by alison miller called lira uh, it's the story of lira mckee the journalist who um unfortunately was uh, shot and killed in Derry a few years ago um that's coming out on the, at the start of November and we're doing a partner screening for that at the Bertha Dock House in Bloomsbury um, I believe Alison's going to be there I'm going to be there to interview her if she's there um, must check all this in advance but I believe that's the case um, and yeah come down to that if you're in London it'll be great crack I've seen Lyra I love it it's such a such a beautiful wee do- um, such a beautiful wee way to remember Lyra and what her life meant and everything mm-hmm. and I noticed when I looked on the Doc House website this evening um, in preparation for chatting about it that it's one of three Irish films that's playing at Bertha Doc House um, oh, wow. in the next couple of weeks so there's The Ghost of Richard Harris which is of course a portrait of the great actor Richard Harris by the, by the director Adrian Sibley and there is our guest from the last episode Kath Ferguson and her film Nothing Compares which is screening there for the next few weeks we hope so yeah a trio like a trilogy mm. of Irish films you could probably do an all day or <laughs> the birth that's of amazing yeah that's so great I mean I just think that's such an amazing reflection on our films our film industry like documentary or not you know what I mean and especially then as well Irish language which is just so brilliant and also it shows that our listeners to our listeners that we're not just even doing our festival we're constantly doing screenings and online stuff and so IFL is kind of constantly at work no 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 rest for the wicked (laughs) but um but one thing as well that's on this weekend is uh the Kerry Film Festival is going to be out uh, is going to be starting this weekend and so loads of great films in that festival as well of course and then I mean it's just really festival season isn't it you've got still voices in Longford you've Mm. got Cork coming up you've got the Richard Harris then as well in Limerick and so it will just be stop so we'll be having loads to chat about in the next coming weeks but we'll go back over the program again in our next um in our next podcast uh but for now i hope that everyone enjoys this interview for the film rosha august frank thanks jerry thanks Neve. If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films, and invites to networking events, and so much more. So check it out now. Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm delighted to have writers and directors Rachel Moriarty, Peter Murphy and also Rosha herself, Breedney Nocton, on with me today to chat about their gorgeous new film, Rosha August Frank. So thank you so much guys for coming on and taking the time to chat to me today. Thanks for having us, Dave. Thank you, Neil. 
Not at all. So first of all, congratulations on a really beautiful film. And of course, of all of the awards that have come along with it, it's it, it's gotten Best Ensemble at uh, the Dublin International Film Festival, Best Film, Director and Actress at the Stockholm Film Festival, and just scooping up audience award winners at both the Santa Barbara and the uh, Sonoma International Film Festivals as well, which is just fabulous news and just especially for an Irish language film it's just like go on it's just brilliant it's just such great news so I always love kind of starting with going right back if that's okay so I'd love to kind of chat about how the kind of Rachel and Peter duo came came about that is going right back I know (laughs) that's going right back terrifyingly back in to the late 80s (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just met. We met in college. We started working together in college. Uh, and, you know, the usual thing of of making uh, making stuff in college, not a huge amount. I mean, we kind of worked on society projects. and stuff. We did communications in DCU, which was kind of probably not as as practical as, say, DIT would have been or Dunleary. Uh, so we kind of had to find ways to, to do stuff. We set up a TV channel when we were there and we did stuff like that. So we did start doing kind of film work together there and then we just took at it and, and made you know five shorts over the years as unemployed filmmakers and all of that and then as he, as we continued working separately in television we kept on doing it I mean if it's not broke don't fix it I guess <laughs> you get used to a process I think and yeah that process can be anything I mean it just depends I think when you're younger you find a way of writing or you find a way of doing things and a lot of the time it's accidental or happenstance and uh, yeah and you just kind of keep going and I think a lot of the people who continue to make short films are you know you kind of have to just stick at it and Mm. and that's kind of I suppose what we did as we kind of stuck at it and, and kept writing together. And I think something we'd say Rachel like we would have seen obviously we've made shorts going right back to the 90s and you do see lots of people kind of drift away from it and not, and not stick at it because it's tough. And I do think being a partnership has has helped, like working with someone, writing with someone, mm. directing with someone. It's sort of, you know, because you get so many people, you know, you get rejection letters, you get stuff that doesn't work. I've kind of been able to share that pain. Yeah, the support, I can imagine. I think it's great. And also, I think we've we've it has helped us hone our writing skills working as a team as well, because you're, we say this a lot to people, we're very brutal with each other's writing because you know, someone down the line is going to be, there's no points mm. us going, you know, within reason, you know, within the, the realm of politeness, but you kind of have to, um, you have to accept that it's going to get torn apart at so many stages that if we're doing it from the start kind of helps a little bit. And I think that is for that reason, it has made it a little bit easier to be able to pick up the phone and go, we see we got, that got turned down or that's doing well or whatever it might be. But that is definitely, I think, helped us keep it going. We, obviously, we work in TV independent, independently mm-hmm. and we really enjoy that and we do a lot of TV work. But from the point of view of the of the drama, we only do together. And that has definitely helped, I think. Yeah, and th- having those shared experiences then, yeah. for sure. So the film, f- uh, film was funded by TG Carr and Screen Ireland and BAI as part of the Cine4 uh, scheme, uh, which is kind of was set up to produce feature lengths, uh, original films in Irish, which I just think is so important. And so many other amazing, along with this film, amazing films have come out of that scheme. So going back, I guess even actually... Um, before asking, how did you start with the kind of ap- applying for the scheme and everything? Where did the inspiration of Rochelle Gus Frank kind of 
begin? Where did where was it birthed? Um, I suppose we, as we're saying there, we have a writing process where we'd have a lot of things. We'll be talking about different ideas. What if this? What if that? Um, you know, things, some things that are awful ideas and quickly get discounted, some that live a little bit longer but go nowhere, and then some that kind of stick with you. And I suppose the idea of um, some of loss and grief, we wanted to write something about that. We wanted to write something that would that was very authentic, I suppose. We've often heard the story of people with, you know, a Robin returns, you get a sign from the universe. You know, we, we were kind of soaking up, I suppose, stories and experiences of, um, around grief. And the idea of a woman who believes her husband has come back as a dog was a very notional thing. It was, it was a very vague, one of those things that you kind of slightly develop and throw out. Um, and really it was the, it was seeing the path ahead for it coming to screen that then kicked it into development and into a script and, 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 and something that we could sustain. I mean, you need an idea that you're going to be able to live with and defend creatively for a mm -hmm. few years ahead. So it was one that, that we, it just stuck in our minds. Um, but you're right, then the scheme, is, the scheme is, was, was a very helpful catalyst for bringing it to a script stage. Yeah, and what, what was that kind of process like then? Was it, um, did you kind of have the guts of the script kind of, all ready to go or was it then the scheme first and then that, oh, we that way? nothing beyond what Rachel saw but sure. we just, we right. just literally had yeah we, so when when the Cine Cahar scheme appeared uh we just were we said that idea that has never mm. gone beyond that sort of germ of an idea let's let's work that one up that feels like it could fit because we would all I mean we would have talked all about how it needs to feel like it makes sense Australia that it doesn't feel like Oh, here's a script they had under the bed that they nearly mm. got funded before that they've just changed to location a little bit. It needed to feel like it could work and make sense in a setting where people spoke Irish. And we really felt straight away, we thought that's that would be make, makeable there and will mm. work there. So we wrote up a treatment. So we hadn't even a treatment. We had nothing written beyond. It really was a conversation. Thought, thought. A thought, yeah. Mm. So we wrote it up as a treatment sent it in film and in fairness to uh, TG Carr, they're really committed to making this happen quickly. They funded development really nicely. They gave 25,000 to, I think, five teams to write. So it was a really nice chunk of money that meant we were able to sit down, you know, go into a, a room for six weeks, nine to five, do it like a real job and do nothing else, clear the decks and write, write mm -hmm. the script and then uh, send the script in. So the process was really streamlined from that point of view. So we, so we, so the treatment went in, they accepted it, we wrote the script, and then by the following, uh, you know, we started all that uh, end of 2018, and by um, I think spring, maybe May or something of 2019, we were greenlit. So oh, from brilliant. a from that point of view, it was a was a remarkable. I think they really, I think they achieved something brilliant there in terms of getting people's kind of. Uh, creative juices flowing quickly and get making stuff happen fast you know because yeah. that can be very frustrating as anyone listening probably know you know that whole thing of you know trying to get finance in place and, and those steps can it can take so long this was a really refreshingly fast process absolutely i can only imagine the momentum to keep yeah. that momentum definitely yeah creatively the character of rosha was probably how we developed that thought into a script and we always, I mean, Rosha was written for Breed. We always yeah. knew that we wanted Breed to be Rosha. That was an incredibly helpful thing in the creative process because while we were writing the script, we knew we, we would be trusting 
somebody who would be able to, to do it, <laughs> who would be able to go on this journey and would be able to, to bring that character to the screen. So that was that was a different thing for us. We've never written the script before where we, where we knew who that person was and knew who that central character was. And again, that speaks to the scheme itself facilitating people that we were able to make. I mean, in the real world, a lot of the time you can't make that decision where you're saying, this is the person we want to play the role. This is this is who we're writing it for. To be able to carry that through was was a real pleasure, I think. And, and that shows, uh, that speed of, of getting from script to screen kind of made that possible too. Amazing. Yeah, that's such a, that's, yeah, such a pleasure of, of to, to be able to have that person in your mind throughout the whole process. So I guess, obviously, it's a, it's an Irish language film. So I'd love to know kind of everyone's relationship and history with, uh, with Irish language itself. So Breed, what what's kind of the relationship with the, the Irish language yourself? Well, I'm a native Irish speaker. I come from the Cotamara Gaelt of Dogfra Rossmuck. Uh, I was brought up there. I went to boarding school in Spidwell and uh, Irish is really important to me. I love working with, in Irish, whether it's on stage or on screen. And it was just a huge honour and a huge compliment to be involved uh, with, with, with Rachel and Peter. And uh, uh, yeah, and it's wonderful, as they were saying, it's wonderful that T.G. Cahar had that vision, you know, to say, we can tell our stories in the mm. Irish language as good as any, you know, uh, any other language. And, uh, and we're proving that, that we can do that. Absolutely. And what about Peter and Rachel, what about yourselves? Have you, has Irish been kind of in the household for you guys growing up or did you have to revisit it or...? My dad is from North Kerry and his father was an extreme nationalist who made a mini Gaeltacht in their house <laughs> when he was growing up. And then when I was a teenager, I was sent to an all Irish secondary school. So I went to school through Irish. And uh, I would share what Breed is saying there in that I always felt very proud to speak Irish, always loved the language, always. And this was just a complete joy and pleasure to be able to make something through Irish and also to feel that we're making something I know a lot of people who aren't confident Irish speakers, but who got great pleasure from watching Rochelle Argus Frank because they had enough to feel at home and familiar with the language. They're not Absolutely. going to start a conversation with you in Irish, but they know enough and they have a feeling for it and they understand the rhythms and they understand an awful lot more than they probably thought they did. So I think that was a real pleasure. I don't expect that everybody suddenly decides to go back to Rana Gaelga because there's an Irish language cinema way. I think a few actors will be. <laughs> <laughs> possibly. possibly. <laughs> and I'm the one I'm the one who did go back to Rangan McGregor because I'm I am that's my background is more traditional school Irish. I would have been decent at Irish in school, but not not fantastic. I'm certainly not uh, fluent in the language. Uh, I went into Conor McGregor on Harcourt Street and up to uh, Glen Column Kill uh, in advance of it to sort of improve it. And it, it, amazingly, now at the moment, I'm actually working in uh, in Clorica Gaelga in RTE for uh, on Scannels. So I, I think what I discovered is. And I think some of the crew would have agreed there's an awful lot more within us from, mm. from those 14 long years spent learning it. Obviously, there's a, we have a complex relationship with the language. But I, what, what I loved on the shoot was that we're all levels. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there were people, native speakers, there were fluent speakers, there were people who had, I think my Irish is certainly decent, who would have a very good understanding and ability to, to operate in it. And then there were people who were just enthusiastic to kind of, you know, included include bits and and try and work like mike our, our our first was very enthusiastic in 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 small things like because obviously it's it's hard to run a fully irish language shoot in, in ireland because if you insert a few people 
who don't have any, then English almost automatically becomes a language that people start to use. So it's just having a scenario where the language is kind of loved and respected. And I think we achieve, I, I think we achieved that. Um, as kind of important without it feeling like, you know, heavy or school or anything like that, but that there was just actually, there could be a, a level of bilingualism there, which, which I think Irish people are more comfortable with than they realize, you know. Definitely. And as you said, like, I think it's a massive thing to do. Confidence is a massive thing to do with it. I think like that it's, we, do, we did it for so long. It's definitely in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I even really felt myself watching it, watching it back of, you know, I didn't have to actually look at, at the subtitles as much as I thought I would, you know, and like that. Yeah, it's just the confidence and, and just the encouragement as well, I think. And I think the just the explosion now of, of, of Irish language films, not that they always haven't been around, but kind of just the, the how more recognized, not even popular, more recognized that they're getting. Um, I think a lot more people are going to kind of go, oh, yeah, I am well able to converse or or even watch and not necessarily be staring at the subtitles the whole time, you know. So and, it's, and what is kind of a thrill and uh, we've all uh, myself and Rachel were Santa Barbara and myself and Breeze were in Sonoma and I just come back from uh, poor towns and near Seattle, where we won the audience award again, and they really American audiences who we would traditionally have thought, oh, they don't like subtitles or mm. they find it weird. They've really responded. They're 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 fascinated and excited by a language that they're not familiar with, but a country that they have a big connection with. So so that has, to see the kind of they're kind of thrilled by this idea that it exists it was you know that that. Bridge is a native speaker that Ruan who plays the kids in it like there's a lot of native speakers in it it's not kind of an academic language they've necessarily learned for a movie these are people who speak it it's their it's their language so so they've really responded to that amazingly I think and and that's been quite a quite a thrill actually that's very special yeah because I think it's kind of getting the you know um the praise of of your own you know at home but then for people who aren't you know have are really not necessarily they are connected in a way but you know we're so far away from it to still have it it just shows how much heart there is in this film which I just think is is one of the most important things about the, the film is the heart that's in it um but we do have to talk about Frank I am dying to talk about Frank um how the casting process I need to know about <laughs> how did we know we know now that you had Breed in mind um but how did you go about because very ambitious you know they they say not to work with animals and babies and you did both um so how did you go about finding Frank uh the dog Rachel what do you think we uh looking back I think we probably should have thought about this more when we were writing it because we did write lots for the dog <laughs> without we were, we were thinking well Breed can do that yeah. that's great that's that that's a, that's, a, that's a hard emotional turn Breed will do that Breed will do that but we didn't actually think how is a dog going to do that so anyway probably our focus should have been more on can a dog really do that but when we started the process we talked to people in Ireland it was a very special role in that a dog needed to be able to do a lot you needed to there were so many boxes that had to be ticked with the dog. We also were fussy. We wanted the dog to be somebody that Rosha could believably think was her husband. And, and without being, you know, I don't want to sound prejudiced here, but I, I, I never saw Jack Russell coming back and being frank. So yeah. I mean, it's yeah. the spirit, we were, the spirit animal. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't want it to be like a pure, we were kind of going on like a German shepherd. Would he can't even come back as an Alsatian or a German shepherd or a Latin or camp? We were, yeah, we were very picky, despite the fact that we had no idea whether we could get, I, mean, I think at some point we even discussed, are we doing CGI? Would we have to do CGI? Oh, that's, that's not going to be possible, is it? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so we did look around and I mean, we were looking for, yeah, a believability for Roche's character. You know, it had to be a dog that Roche's character could look at and, 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 and you know, see as not a dog. That, mm-hmm. that had to work. Um, so we ended up going to a, a, a an animal specialist in the UK. Um, they read the script, they broke down the script and they essentially said there was one dog really that could do it. Um, so Peter and I um, flew over to meet Barley for uh, for lunch. <laughs> for lunch, and uh, Barley showed us a few of his skills. He did his his reading, and um, he was great. I mean, he was great. He was just an amazingly trained animal, a really fantastic looking animal, uh, able to do everything and a, a, a kind of, I think you would agree, Breed, a thorough professional on set. Mm. Right? I was going to ask, was he a bit of a diva, Breed, but was was he okay? <laughs> no, he was fantastic. It's what you said earlier, never work with children or animals, you know, and that was, I remember my first uh, day of shoot was, I think we were shooting, uh, uh, as you know, we shoot out a sequence and stuff and it was very specific with the dog. I'm going, I don't know how he's going to react. You know, with another actor, you can run a scene before you can say, all right, I I think I'm going this way with this. No idea, no idea what he was going to do, where he was going to do. But he actually, he hit the mark all the time. We used to joke, you know, we used to joke, Killian and Larkin and myself say, he hits the mark better than some actors that we worked with. He just has the most incredibly yeah. beautiful, like the ex- like expressive face. He really, yeah. really does. It was just, it was absolutely nailed. Um, and I love that, that, that you met for a lunch. I, think I mean, it's, and it is like we're always at pains point out what was really reassuring going over for lunch as well, meeting Jill and Ash, who, who came over. Ash was who, who came over and worked with, with Barley when he was over here. Um, but there was that real sense straight away. They made it very clear that all their dogs are, are rescue animals who are then fostered to families, basically given to families. So they, so they said so they want their dogs to have a normal pet's life. So they mm. exist. He, he absolutely lives with a family separate to, they're not a film family or anything like that. They're just a family that own Barley, basically. And he just heads off every now and then. He heads off to make movies. But, but for the rest of the time, he's, he's living a dog's life. And, you know, stuff like they said, if he goes over, he has to stay in a house. We won't, They don't do kennels and he has mm-hmm. to go over with a companion dog because they, they get upset if they go on their own. So it was a really kind of we were able to kind of re- relax and go. They're really going to take care of of Barley. You know, I know it sounds like it was really important to us that that Barley has a has a positive. That's a good experience for the dog because it's hard to know. You know, if you've never worked with you, you're kind of relying so much on them telling you what's right and what's wrong, what you can do and what you can't do. You've got to trust them. And they were magnificent. I mean, I think you probably found that bridge. You worked a lot with, with Ashley, who was was um, was Barley's handler. And I think he was brilliant to communicate and work with, wasn't he? Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, he'd, ex- he'd tell you exactly, this is what you need to do. And, you know, we'd rehearse even before you were setting up and stuff. And then by the time we got to, a, to, 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 to shoot, I, I was comfortable. I, I, I was lucky, I suppose, that I'm comfortable with dogs as well. You know what I mean? Because as I know some actors that are really terrified of dogs, but I was comfortable with them. But the, the strange thing about he was such a working dog and he was so focused that he would never he, he, he never kind of slobber over you. You know, I, I remember one of the one day that it hasn't made the movie, but I was putting the collar around his neck and I wanted him to look at me. You know, this was before we were shooting and I wanted him to look at me to get that. And he looked left, he looked right, he looked up, he looked down, never. 
never. And I thought, oh my God, that's such amazing because other dogs would be, you know, yeah. her face. Mm. But he was just, he was such. The only time he had a bit of a wobbler was with the windmills. Remember, we were shooting the, the, the uh, <laughs> outside and they said, if he, if, if he hears anything, he's gone. And he was, and we went, oh, thanks be to God. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of madness in him. Yeah, they were like literally wind turbines. Had, yeah, it was a, it was, miles away it was an hill. actual dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he just took off across the pitch, barking like crazy. And did the classic dog thing, went, fully across the pit, and then just turned around all happy with himself. He'd shown those windmills and, and Ash was going, what? I said, I just know what I can do. If he sees windmills, he's gone. Yeah. He broke character. He, so he, broke, he yeah. certainly did. Yeah. In a big way. Mm. Well, as we were saying, they say not to work with animals and children, but you did both. And you had every generation in here from babies to primary school kids to nursing, to the scene in the nursing home. So what was it like, I guess, working with that kind of scale of, of a cast? Because you had kind of big, big shots in there between the hurling match and even just like in the primary school and, and then just all of these little individual characters with their own kind of storylines as well. What was that like, Rachel? Um, I think we always wanted it to be, feel like a real community. So we wanted to have, exactly as you're saying, leave all those, those different ages represented. represented. And, and, and I mean, the story of Rosie and Frank is people, is, it is a woman who was split from a community, not, you know, she lost an awful lot when Frank went, not just him, but, but everything around her. So we were very keen that we would create that community. And we were very lucky in that we found so many talented people in um, the in Gaeltachlanesha in Anrhein and Tanafobel, where there's a very strong tradition of local drama, and um, so there were lots of people who were who were able to bring that wholeness, I suppose, to the screen. Um, and I think they are, are professional or actors, I suppose, worked really well with them, with the newcomers and with the people who would have done um, who would not have had screen appearances before. So it all knitted together very well, I think, and we were very we were very lucky to find all those people. Um, and it was ambitious. And one of the things I remember somebody saying to be to me about the Cine Cahar scheme was, well, they'll make two films and they'll run out of actors. <laughs> because we are, it is, a, it is a small group of people in a minority language. But I think I was really proud to see that we could actually find plenty of people to create that sense of community. But we did, I mean, I, I think we were quite lucky. Would you say so, Peter, in, in the local casting? And, and the I mean, I was, just, I was gonna say luck is definitely a huge part of it. Yeah. Everything that went right, like, you know, you write things into it, like, you know, you, 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 you write a baby into it, uh, quite a significant role throughout it. And you just think, well, we'll get one somewhere. I, I like it's a tricky enough thing to find, obviously, and Claire O'Connor, who plays, who is an All-Ireland uh, Camogie winner uh, with Wexford, it was, so was going to, is our, playing our trainer and also coordinated all of the hurling for us. She was invaluable. And she also turned around and said, oh, yeah, you've got, I, someone said you're looking for a, a toddler. Keela is my new daughter. And she's literally, she said, she just goes to anyone. She's great. So she also handed over her baby daughter to be in the film. And she was fab, She was great fun to work with. I know in one of our Q&As in Sonoma, the very first question that was asked was, where did you find that baby? So we just got, everything just landed for us in that way. It was great. Because there was such a buy-in from everyone, I think, into it. Yeah, there was such a pride in the community. I felt there was such a pride in the community mm. that they wanted to go be come behind us. Do you know what I mean? And, and uh, yeah, I, I felt that from the start. 
you could really feel it uh, watching it that it felt like kind of just an insight into a community to be honest and it also like as you said there it was it's it was really refreshing to see lovely new faces on the screen as well and particularly then with Irish language films and uh, and the baby Um, I think there's one scene I think where um Alan gets pulled over and she is just loving life in the back. She is just, she's She's fantastic. got her, she's patting, she's patting Barley, I think. Yeah. And we're all kind of going, look at you still, we're all getting very excited yet because it was just like that kind of thing. But obviously you can't d- direct or ask yeah. what just happened. Oh, I know, she, yeah, she just looked like life. such a dream, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a dream. Um, but I, I love that the film kind of deals with the themes of loneliness and grief and companionship and then kind of rejuvenation. And um, what was kind of, Breed, what was the most important thing? What is the most important thing that you would love for audiences to kind of take away from the film, especially being Rosha? Well, uh, an enjoyment of the film for a start, you know, and that sort of uplifting feeling. And what surprised me is a lot of people that have texted me and stuff said, oh, we were in tears. You know, I, I you know, when you're playing it and when you're shooting it, I, I, I was surprised by that. So it, it's all the emotions are there. And that's I, I'm very proud of that. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, the one scene that I loved and definitely shed a tear was uh, the scene with Rosha and more, I think it is in the, in the nursing home and yeah. how Frank was able to give that moment to, to, to them for, for her kind of um, her memory coming back and, and then kind of that being spurred then so many other different things that Frank was able to give, like the confidence to Mikey with the hurling and, hurling. Yeah. and it just really kind of, you know, it's all of those really valuable things that, you know well I I'm such a dog lover so I just think they're fantastic they're a very vital part of any kind of community or family um but I just I also want to talk about Mikey I just think he was such I could just watch him all day he was so gorgeous to work with what was that or to watch so what was that like working with such a with such a young talent breed Oh, he was fantastic. He was so focused as a, you know, because he was like, what? He was 14, wasn't he, Rachel, Peter? I think younger. Yeah, but he was just so focused. And it's very rare you get that in a, in, a, in, a, in a 12-year-old because, as you know, it's long days. You're shooting out of focus. You're sitting around. And he was, he was just fantastic. And, and he gave me so much on screen. He was, he was just, he was fantastic. And we, we saw him recently at the Dublin Film Festival and he's taller than I am now, you know. <laughs> but he certainly has a future if he wants to, to go down that road. Amazing. And um, one thing also that I wanted to ask about is just the location is just absolutely stunning. And for a film I found as well, that's not it's not kind of majorly dialogue heavy, which I also really loved because you've got so many glances and, you know, things being said without necessarily saying anything. But then also the incredible landscape landscape shots that you had. And so, Peter, where did you um, uh, where was the location? Where did you film? And and then how long uh, did the shooting take? Well, we sh- we filmed it around uh, on Ryan and Shana Fobel. I, I kind of the the Gwelt have just passed Dungarvan, basically down in Waterford. We had looked around a lot of different places. One of the main things that drew us there was hurling. Hurling was was always going to be hurling. Hurling was in the script, um, and that kind of reduces the places you can go to because not every county has. And we wanted to cast locally, so we didn't mm. want to have to necessarily bring. Um, 
bring the, the kids obviously are the ones who all hurl so we didn't want to have to bring them them in from other areas or we didn't want to have to go to an area the one thing we knew we couldn't do was kind of coach kids up to her to be hurlers they either had to be hurlers or they couldn't be in the movie because it's mm. such you know that that skill that they have from playing it for hours and hours we wanted to look natural and beautiful and, and interestingly again that plays very well in america where it's a sport people don't know but it's such even played by 12 year olds you, you know you're watching them and you go my god there's such skill level and it's it's an impressive sport to see played mm. at any level uh, so that was a big part of it. And then we went down them and Seven Rage went down and you just see kids everywhere with the Harleys. And then you actually go, well, this is a beautiful part of the world. It's not as known as, you know, the uh, the areas of Kerry or Connemara or, or, or Donegal, which are really beautiful, rugged places. Obviously, this is a little bit more pastoral and a little bit more mm. kind of, uh, I guess, East Coast. And that felt nice and different, actually. And it was, we got quite excited about that, that it could, could have sort of a different feel a different look um to maybe what people expect from from a, a film shot in a guelta area so that really was what what drew us there definitely because you always kind of think you know um like that when it's kind of more of a rural setting you know someone's neighbors are half an hour down the road you know and yeah. you get that kind of isolated feeling uh, whereas this was really like as we were chatting about the the community feel from the get-go which I which I just think was so gorgeous um, and then we also have our running storyline of uh, Porel Dunca as well who's another person who I think is suffering from loneliness in a different way which I think is also really important to show um, and he may not go about things really in the right way but I think you can sympathize with them nonetheless um, but I also just loved how he basically paid 50 euro to ask um, Rosh's son if he could ask out his mom. Um, so what was it like kind of, was it important to kind of want to show all of these different insight into all of these different kind of people's lives, obviously with the overarching of Rosh and Frank, but then also have, and then obviously you have Alan with the new baby and uh, and him working really hard in the surgery. And I th- I just think it was really great having the glimpses into everyone's lives. What was that like kind of elevating all of those, Rachel? Well, I kind of love that richness. I mean, I kind of, you know, when I watch films, I kind of give that kind of interior life when I'm looking at even, you know, um, the person in the shop, I'm thinking, oh, there she is again now. And now she's really nice and she's brought in. I, I love the threading through of characters in real, because it gives me a sense of the reality of the community, I suppose. So we did make an effort to, to, to try and give each person, even if they were only on for a fleeting scene or two, but we gave them, each their humanity, I suppose, and and you're and I think you're you're being um, nice about Donica there. Yeah. He does he does he does he does a very he does a very bad thing, but he does come from a place of he's not a monster. He's a, he's a, he's a man who loves music. He's the local choir master. He sometimes you know your intentions can ju- your intentions can be okay, but your actions can be very wrong. So I suppose we were trying to give that that richness so that the people in Roche's community all have their own humanity and lives and mm. um, when you're writing a script you're always kind of a little bit worried maybe that you're writing too many people with too many lives and overpopulating but I think it really worked in this in, in, in this film I think because because there were great performances because we did you know mm. great performances did help give all that humanity to each person and I think that's 
I was really happy with the way that the whole community came to life. I think that was a really important thing to do. To Def- definitely. And I think as well, I love how um, you show how sometimes it can, can get to a certain stage in your life when you're older and you may find yourself stuck in a rut or maybe in a mundane routine um, or I guess you know obviously with in Rosh's case she's dealing with grief in in different ways so I don't know Breed would you have any kind of I think I, I well I love the aspect of Donica actually getting her out and getting her into the choir so we'll give them that um <laughs> but do you have any kind of tips for people who like just having stepped into Rosh's shoes um tips for people who may find themselves in kind of that way of kind of you know their life has changed their kids might have moved on and now they kind of have their own lives back again and they kind of don't know where to go from there yeah I mean it's that thing that Rosha did she she sort of locked herself in she locked herself away from the community and if I would say anything just open just try and open just ever so slowly open out listen take encouragement take you know a coffee or a, or, a, or a chat or something and 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 as was as we see in the film as she starts to kind of open out and come back to the choir and and that relationship with her son you know that was a, a, a fractured relationship and uh, and the little with with the, with the baby you know so it, it's it's yeah open your try and open the heart slowly but but try and do it Definitely, definitely. And I wanted to ask as well, Peter, did you guys come across, because I know it was completed during lockdown, but you guys held off on releasing it, which I think was was actually really lovely because then you got to actually experience it with, yeah. with audiences. But um, before we kind of chat about what, what that was like, did you guys come across any challenges throughout making the, the film that you'll kind of learn from and, and bring into your next project? Obviously not lockdown ones because we shot pre-lockdown. So I guess the challenges are always the same. It's how do you figure out to write something that you'll get enough money to have enough time to shoot? And we're not like we, you know, I mean, you know, we've constantly got producers going, could you not lose a couple of people? We've got 46 <laughs> speaking parts. I mean, we did it on Traders as well. And we love it. Because actually it's a bit of a balance because I, I, I do think what you get from it is a sort of slightly elevated um product because it's got lots of people it's got a richness you know there are great films that are four people and all of that there you know that but it's not what we ever what we ever end up writing we always sort of it grows and it grows and it's got these cameos and small parts but we love that but obviously it's a huge challenge i mean I don't think we'll ever learn. I think the thing is, you know, I look at what we're writing now and it's like, okay, there we go again. I was 46 about to go, please parts. don't tell me if we've learned anything. Oh, no, no, we haven't. <laughs> we haven't learned. I think what we learned is it is doable. There's great... Actually, and it works. And you can get great kind of... You know, if you if, if you give small parts that, that, you know, you can get performances from really good, you know, keen amateur actors which we found uh, down there, or, you know, day players, if you, it's a huge challenge for uh, your first AD who's got to figure out, I mean, we, our first AD had a terrible time. She was great, but it was trying to figure out, you know, some of the days were absolutely in terms of page numbers that we were shooting, not every day, obviously, but but some of the days were massive, just in terms of what we had to get through, because we have a lot of not only um, cast, but locations, you know, we're all over the place shooting in different locations. I mean, trying to get into, we filmed in, a great uh, vet surgery just outside Dungarvan. They were brilliant. They let us in, but it was like after they were finished working. 
Mm. So we're all there ready to go at I think four o'clock or something and we've got to get out of there by 10. Like it's really, and a lot of, you know, two big scenes happening in there. So those kind of days, and I know for, uh, and you'd certainly agree with this, I think, Bridge, there was times when it felt a bit like, can we not have another go yeah. at that? I'm, can we not try a little bit? Okay, we not nuance it a bit? And so that's not ideal. You never want, you want to feel like you can throw away takes or you can try different options. And there were times when it felt a bit like, we've just got to move on to get coverage or we're not going to make make our day. Yeah. But, you know, do you learn anything from that other than try and get more money? Money is time. You know, we went into it thinking because it was our second movie, we get six weeks. And then that was gone completely straight away. And then I remember saying to Kua and our producer, will we get five? And he said, I don't think so. And we did it in 20 days in the end. You know, so wow. it, you just lose days, you know, and money equals time. And, and that's the big thing if you can get it. But, you know, 1.2 million and, and you're not filming in Dublin, you're filming on location. It all ratchets up and ratchets up and I, I ratchets up. And sorry, it all builds up. And I mm. don't know what you can do about that. Mm-hmm. More money. Give these guys more money. <laughs> more money. But it's funny because you, you actually are in a situation where, you know, the, the more money is is a yeah. big leap. You need a big leap for it to be, actually make that much of a difference. If you got of an course. extra 100,000, you wouldn't see it. You, you, and I'm not even sure you get an extra day. You know, yeah. that's the thing. And it's the things that get sacrificed, you know, the, the things that are easy to cut are rehearsals and things that you things that you would really love to have and, 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 yeah. and they get cut. So it is all it is always time and it puts pressure and you're really relying on your actors being just amazingly brilliant <laughs> and, and and your production designer having everything ready to go and you know all of that it is the time pressure it is i think but i don't i don't know any filmmaker who says oh i had loads of time on that actually. yeah took, took a day off it's, yeah. <laughs> it's always time i think definitely as yeah, a time pressure i think always kind of is 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 everyone's enemy in that sense yeah. um you, you have to as actors, you have to come prepared, you know, but you know, you know, going into the project, we've got four weeks to shoot this. We've got a lot to do. So in that way, there was a lot of uh, talking, you know, myself and Lorcan and, and Killian and stuff. We do a lot of rehearsals even before, you know, the night before or something, you know, all of that sort of thing. But it would, but for, for actors, you've got to be able to, you know, maybe hit it in one take if, if you're up against time. Mm. And I think it's, it's such a, because Bridge, you're, you do theatre as well, and there's just so many pros and cons with both. I think they're nearly, uh, they're such a different craft in a way, because with the, with the theatre, you get to rehearse and then you do it and then it's just finished. Whereas mm. then with um, film, you do, might, mightn't get to rehearse, but then you do it and then you don't see it for ages, but then yeah. it kind of lives on for, it can live on mm. for ages. So mm. it's kind of, it's such a minefield, it the is. two of them, balancing but, the two of them. But, but one kind of feeds into the other, especially if you're up against time. Mm. You know, if, if, you, if you're used to, you know, being on the stage and go, I've got to hit this because I can't go back and do it. I, I don't have the luxury of another mm-hmm. take. Mm-hmm. So if you find that you're, you know, okay, this scene is not going the way it should be going, you, you click in and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you do it. So in that way, that's an advantage to you as you're going into, say, a, 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 you like a, a really short uh, uh, um, film, sh- you know, film yeah. shoot. Yeah. 
well, well done. It's it, it really is. It's just such a gorgeous film, and I encourage everyone to go and see it. It's just such a feel good film. I feel like you come out from the cinema and you just feel like you've had a cup of tea and a big chat in your nana's, and it's just it's just so so gorgeous. So I usually love to ask my guests what if they have a favorite um Irish film, um or and or if they have a film. I never like to say favorite film, but just a film maybe that's impacted their life in some sort of way it could be inspirational or it could be you know traumatization or it could be just one that you just always find yourselves going back to so Peter I'll start with you do you have um anyone in mind well favorite Irish film is a tricky one because I, I, there's so many really really great ones I, I think I went down as always the one that's always stuck in my head as one I've really enjoyed mm. you know I, I and it's not something I haven't seen it that many times since, since it was out in cinemas. I obviously went to see it in cinemas and it was filmed uh, kind of quite a bit of it was filmed around where I grew up in Kildare. So I loved seeing kind of the bog road outside where Tangan and stuff on it. And I just loved it because it was it was fresh and it was fun and it felt a bit different. And it's still I think it really stands the test of time. And I, I mean, I love so many Irish films, but it's one that always I think just when it came out the way I saw it. Mm -hmm. I always, I always really, really loved. And in terms of other ones, I, I was, it was funny. I was, I had to tell some similar story in a uh, poor Townsend release. I was thinking of film that I had uh, and uh, influenced me. And then I realized probably it was with Neil and I, with Neil and I, because mm -hmm. I was, I had started out doing engineering in Trinity and I bunked off to go to see with Neil and I in the screen instead of going to like an organic chemistry lecture and I realized I need to get out of Trinity I need that's to get amazing out of engineering. so that I dropped out of moment. engineering quite soon after I said <laughs> I need to do I, I don't want to be an engineer I want to make movies so it's and it, it's a film I adore obviously as well but it's I always think it had a particular impact on my life definitely a bit of a turning point there yeah. I think and Rachel what about yourself I am a huge fan of In the Name of the Father. It's a film I would watch again and again. Absolutely no problem. I love the story. I love the performances. Um, it's just a film that I, I I just get something out of every time I watch. So I, while there's lots of Irish films to pick from, mm. personally, that's one that sticks with me. And in terms of favourite film, I suppose it's more kind of a genre. So I really love those Capra type films and you're kind of maybe a bit of Roche and Frank, maybe there's a bit of what they call Capricorn sneaking in that kind of slightly sentimental feeling but films like it's a wonderful life or or, or that that's the style of movie that I, if i'm sitting at home and i just want to watch something i will put on something of that yeah i always call those kind of films the, the kind of smile cry films yeah. you know and you just can't help yourself you're smiling and crying at the same time yeah and you're being, yeah a lot you're going slightly on. being manipulated yeah. but it's okay but it's okay yeah okay. Yeah, yeah definitely and breed what about you um Pochin had a huge influence on me, you know, uh, Bob Quinn, you know, back in the day with Neil Tobin and Donald McCann and Cyril Cusack. And these were actors that we weren't used to seeing uh, um, filming in the Irish language, but it, it shows you, do you know what I mean, what you can do. And, and I always find, I always found Bob Quinn to be a groundbreaker, you know, mm. and we're looking at the, at the great, juggernaut, if, the, if that's the word of, of Irish films now, but the, 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 the ground was, 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 was laid by him, you know, and, and lots of others. And I suppose films and stuff, uh, I'd look at actors and um, Gina Rowlands is a great um, 
I'm a great fan of her her work, you mm. know, and anything that she does. You know. Definitely. Yeah. I love making notes as well about what everyone says, so it can add to my list. That's mm. fantastic. Thank you all so much. And congratulations again on a gorgeous film. It's in cinemas now. So if you haven't seen it yet, I urge you to go and see this gorgeous, gorgeous, feel, feel good film. So thank you all so much for joining me. And we will see you very, very soon at Irish Film London. Looking forward to it. And uh, thanks again. Thanks. Thank and that's it for this week's interview thank you all so much for listening we hope you really enjoyed it thank you to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme myself and Jerry will be back in a fortnight with a brand new interview see you then